You're listening to Get Out and Drive Podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Sean Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. We'll be bringing you gearheads all the information you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Hey, John, you know, we're always looking to uh, connect with other people in the industry, and uh, we have now partnered with RacingJunk.com. That is a great website, kind of a one-stop shop for anybody who's looking for uh, a whole entire car, race car, parts. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I mean, they got, I mean more than just classifieds. They've got uh, how-tos, tech tips, uh, motorsports news. I mean, they got it all over there. Head over and see our friends at RacingJunk.com. Hey, we're back with another episode of Get Out Drive Podcast. I'm Sean, Mr. Sedam, and Cheryl. I am John Custom Carner and Meyer. Uh, today, we are talking with Al Liebman. He is the Senior Sales Executive for Internet Brands Auto Group Classifieds. How you doing, Big Al? Hey, fine, guys. How are you? Doing well. Glad to have you on the show today. Yeah. <laughs> so you are Senior Sales Executive for uh, Internet Brands Auto Group Classifieds. If you could... Uh, Sum that up for our listeners, what that is. <laughs> uh, in other words, I'm, I work for Racing Junk. Uh, Racing Junk is the auto classified section of Internet Brands. Uh, Racing Junk's been around about 21 years, uh, over 25 million pages a month. We're the world's largest place marketplace for selling everything, truck, trailers, race cars, drag cars, boats, motorcycles, you name it. Uh, 900,000 members and going strong. Yeah, I know. Anytime I'm looking for something, uh, hot rods or cars or race or anything, uh, uh, racingjunk.com is one of the first places I look. So, yeah, we were looking for stuff on there earlier today. It's yeah. uh, it's it's a place that kind of sucks me in because it has everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, it does. And, yeah. And, yeah. And you can whatever, spend hours and hours on that. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you're doing there, Al, I think uh, you're 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 sucking in everybody, and I think it's a great job. Yeah, you're you're uh, keeping them on the page. There's tons of stuff to see. Yeah. Oh yeah, it keeps it, keep, it keeps us it keeps us busy. Like I said, you know, I've right. been around over twenty over twenty one years, and people spend a lot of time just page views, looking and buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's more than just classifieds. I mean, there's there's tech articles and and uh, motorsports news and all kinds of stuff on there. Right. Yep. So you've been into uh, racing and cars for a long time. How uh, how did you get into it way back when when you was a kid? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> when I was in high school, spent some time street racing and uh, went to the drag strips at English Town. And somebody told me at one particular point I needed to get involved with a funny car. And that was uh, mid 70s. And I got hooked. I uh, went out to California, got involved with a bunch of guys, and uh, did the funny car tour uh, with a bunch of teams up until the 80s. When, when drag racing and funny cars were where did things to go? You say street racing. What kind of cars was you street racing back in the day? We, I had a Camaro. I had a big block Camaro with a 454 in it. So, you know, we'd go look for a race here and there, you know, mm-hmm. way before the street outlaw guys and stuff like that. Right. Uh, kind of got tired of that uh, and wanted something a little bit more uh, noisy, <laughs> a little bit more, a little, little more taste, if you could say. Uh-huh. Right. Right, that's, right. How I got, that's how I got hooked in the early 70s. Wow. What year was your Camaro? Uh, 67. 67. First year. Those are always cool. Yeah. Especially as drag cars, you know. I I like the 67s best out of the first gen, I think, because they got the vent windows still. 
Right. I'm a big yeah. fan of vent windows. I like free air conditioning. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened with yes. that's what happened with Camaro number one, the pilot car. That ended up being uh ended up being a race car later in its life before yeah. they restored it. Yeah. I know you said you're in, in drag racing in the seventies. What uh what different teams or cars have you been involved with since then? Sure. Yeah, so I originally got started uh, with a car called the Shady Glen. It was a nitro funny car out of California. Okay. Back in the early 70s, everybody had funny cars in California. We would go to Orange County, Irwindale to race. There'd be, you know, 32, 64 funny cars. Wow. Uh, and that's when, when you went funny car racing, you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you went on tour different states. We used to do a lot of stuff on the West Coast. Um, you'd have a bunch of races. You know, you race for the same guys, uh, maybe sometimes twice a week, whatever. So I was with, involved with a car called the Shady Glen. I went to a car called the Boston Shaker, which was uh, a car out of Massachusetts. It had a real bit long history, the Fireball Vega. Uh, Chicago Patrol went on tour with these guys. Tommy Ivo, everybody knows Stevie oh, Tommy yes. Ivo. Mm-hmm. He went to funny car racing. I was with him, and uh, that was a unique experience. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we would race five days a week sometimes. Wow, that's a lot of seat time. Yeah, and it's amazing what you would do in between the races. And if something broke down, you do a motor job in the parking lot. You bring the motor and you bring your block or the heads into the hotel to do it. Spent a lot of time on the road. It was uh, it was neat. It was fun. Uh, we, you know, we raced against the Snake, the Mongoose, uh, Blue Max, all those guys. Uh, so wow. when we were doing funny cars, it was it was a great time. We ran some national events, but did most of our stuff we did match races. Mm-hmm. That is super cool. Wow. How'd you get involved? Uh, how'd you get involved with Frantic Ford? Well, the Frantic Ford came around to me uh, in 2009. I knew Dodger Glenn. We used to race against Dodger Glenn, who was one of the uh, drivers of the Frantic Ford. Uh, he passed away in 78 uh, in, an ac- in, an, in an accident at Maple Grove, and we were the next pair of cars to run in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that unfortunately a few times in drag racing with funny cars or dragsters ever we get these accidents. So in 2009, uh, we got a hold uh, myself and Bobby Fry, Bobby Fry is out of Pennsylvania. His father was one of the owners of the frantic Ford funny car, not of the dragster side. And we got permission from Ford to use the name. So, uh, it was just kind of unique to see the Ford logo on a funny car right. or anything. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we're licensed, we're licensed for. Uh, through Ford Global Motorsports, mm-hmm. and we ran the Frantic Ford. I built a couple other Frantic Fords first uh, before I got involved with Rocky Prone. We did an alcohol uh, top nostalgia car, and we did another alcohol car, and had some issues with that. I kind of went away for about a year, <laughs> and I got involved with uh, Rocky Prone out of uh, Philadelphia. He has a bunch of gassers, and that's when we started the first Frantic Ford in 2011. Okay. Now, is that the same chassis car, the Mustang II, as the 70, or no? No. So the the, the 70 is the uh, almost an original body. The body is the brother of the gas Ronda uh, body at one particular point. Well, I thought that looked familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, it was a big, heavy, uh, I hate to use the word turd, but that's what it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we ran the car like the car... In the, you know, in 69 and 70, right. ran better than it ever did. The car went out and ran, I think, about two, 210 with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Mustang II, we did came back as a tribute car with the Sweetman Brothers out of, um, out of Delaware and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been around for a long time, and we run down on alcohol. So that is uh, pretty close to period correct looking on the outside, except for the additional 30 sponsors I have. 
Right. But it's it's in it's in memory of Dodger because uh, Drew, mm-hmm. who's the driver of the car, used to work with Dodger. Okay. So uh, and, and we got to keep Dodger's uh, memory out there, you know, because everybody likes the name and they like the car. <laughs> so currently, the car runs under the Mustang two body. Yeah, the Mustang two body. Um, Is there anything left? Issues. Is there anything left of the seventy? No. Yeah, the seventy Rocky has up in his shelf i use the word shelf right at his shop in philadelphia so okay. it's sitting uh, up up on the shelf there uh we might take it out once or twice it depends but uh, that's kind of sitting there we have another couple of cars that i'm involved with rocky okay so the mustang 2 is the one we run uh we didn't have many races last year we have a couple bunch of races coming up this year we have one up in my neck of the woods in south carolina coming up in about three weeks called steel in motion in union south carolina man that's uh that's a lot of stuff. You've only got two yeah. hands, right? You're like not an octopus <laughs> or something. You get, it sounds yeah. like you got your hands into everything. Yeah. That, Good. that is that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, I mean, yeah. when we get further into this, you're going to hear a lot more. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, uh, the motor's running twenty four seven here at the house. Yeah, because because I, I know you're not just just in the drag race, and I, I know right. you've got a really nice thirty two Ford coupe. Oh yeah, I have a I have a '32 Ford uh, coupe I purchased about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an original Jersey car. Uh, bought it from a guy in Oklahoma, which is kind of strange. Trace <laughs> uh, trace the history back uh, all the way to the original owner, to the second owner, to the third owner. Wow. Uh, which kind of unique about the car was I have a copy of the title when it was switched from the first owner to the second owner, '57 oh, wow. in Florida. Wow. That gentleman, uh, his name was last name was Ferry. F E E R E D, so we call it the Ferry Coupe. Mm. He had it from 50, not 57, excuse me, to 2004. Wow, he drove the car to yeah. a long time. He took the flathead out of it, put a Mustang motor in it, put a 327 in it. He drove the car all over country. Literally, it was got pictures of it in the desert. I got pictures of it in Bonneville. I got pictures of it in California. Um, 2004, it was pulled out of a field in North Carolina. We think um, Mr. Ferry might have passed away. The son had it, didn't run. It was on four flat tires. A gentleman from Alabama purchased it. Mm. He had it till 2015. It switched hands quickly, and then I grabbed it from them. And uh, then, and I've had it for about six years, and uh, I drive the wheels off of it. That's that's yeah, incredible. It's a neat car. I like when, it. When did that car become a hot rod? Do you know, around it became a hot rod. Came a hot rod and probably in the 70s because uh mm-hmm. in the 80s because when i before i got it we traced it back where it had a red velour interior okay so when the red velour interior came in we figured that was sometime in the late 80s to the 90s that's pretty mm-hmm. slick yeah. you got any you got any other cars other than that 32 ford no it's the only thing i have now but i've had a lot of unique pieces yeah. i mean i've had things from a 54 chevy handyman wagon mm-hmm. that i purchased from a guy in washington state that was pulled out of a, a garage uh, 36 Dodge five window coupe with Porsche 930 headlights on it. Oh wow! I had a thir- 39 GMC pickup mm-hmm. with a 388 Stroker, which is extremely rare because I've taken many pictures of cars over the past 20 years, and I can't count five on a hand. I've never <laughs> seen a 39 GMCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, bunch of 30s, uh, 39 and 40 Fords. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I also had a 32 <clears throat> in 2007. A steel car. It looked like a glass car. Okay. Got invited to the 75th anniversary of the 32 at mm. the Grand National Roaster Show. Right. Uh, it was neat to be out there with the top 75 cars, and there was a bunch of other cars. Right. And the following 
Six months later, I sold it to a gentleman in Australia. Oh, oh. wow. Yeah. Sitting on the other side of the world now. Yeah. Well, I hope he's, yeah. uh, hope he's uh, getting out and driving in that thing uh, yeah. over in there. So, so out, of a, out of that list, which was been your favorite if you could pick one? Oh, boy. Probably my favorite. Could have been my first street rod, uh, uh, which was the 39 Ford. Uh, I remember getting this when I just stopped racing with Gary Dentum. Uh We were sponsored by NEC, who I used to work for many years ago. And he was going to John Force, and I could have went over there. So I decided to find something new. And uh, street rods finally came to fruition in my, in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. It was the first one. And that was uh, probably one of my first ones that I had. I had a 302 in it. It was pretty neat. It was, uh, you know, a street rod, not a traditional looking car. Right. But if I got to go, I have to say the 32 Ford that I have, the five window full fendered car is kind of unique. You can't find many of those. Back when you were younger, what was your spark? When did you start? When you're cruising along and not concerned about cars and all of a sudden said, I want to do this with my life? Boy, um, you know, when I was in high school, I was, I took, um, drafting and architectural mm-hmm. um, studies. And I always was thinking about funny cars. Don't ask me why, you know, I followed all the, you know, the Perdomes and Snakes and Mike Mitchell and John Forrest when he first got started. And I said, I always wanted to, to do that. So when I had the opportunity, mm-hmm. when I went to California to do that, it kind of got hook, line and sinker pretty deep. And the the smell of nitro and what you can do with the Hemi motor and make then we were making maybe twenty five three thousand horsepower. Mm-hmm. Now you know with the dual mags and big blowers and everything you're making about ten thousand horsepower. Right. Uh, and everything that we buy, we everything we do on a car, we can buy off to we can buy from the manufacturer, bolting on and do little very little modifications and make that particular power. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. Yeah, that's that's it's always fun to talk to different people and learn where they started and what got them interested in cars, um, because we always talk about what drives youth, Y-O-U-T-H, and we talk about the next generation and, and who we're going to pass on our information to. So uh, have you had any mentors along the way that, that took your younger self and kind of pushed it up where you're at? Well, yeah, so, you know, why I was... Um stop racing in probably 2000 mm-hmm. uh, I was living in New Jersey and I had a gentleman who lived across the street from me or his house was behind another house and I found out the guy had a body shop and he built some custom cars so I was kind of getting into hot rods at that particular point because I spent most of my life playing with you know with funny cars and a mm-hmm. couple dragsters right and um, I found that he got involved with a gentleman named George Barris so I met George in the early 2000s and we became very close mm-hmm. and I became, I guess you want to say project manager or, you know, I, helping Jerry with the build of a couple of cars. Right. Uh, we, we did a car called the Chrysler City Coupe, which is a 46 Chrysler, mm-hmm. uh, had an all glass roof. It was kind of unique, took that on tour. And then we did a uh, 36 Gram, we took a four door Gram and made it into a two door sedan with dual windshields. Uh, was that car the white I, car that had the blue splashes on the bottom of it with yes, the fender skirts? Yep. I know that car. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that was kind of a unique build, especially being a Graham. And, mm-hmm. and George, in his infamous wisdom, puts everything on a piece of paper and he gives it to Jerry. And he says, Jerry, can you build this? <laughs> well, Jerry's, Jerry's body shop was just a small, regular, normal body shop. Mm-hmm. But he had a gentleman there and his name was Ramasan. 
and he was younger than me. He's from Turkey. And this guy can do anything. I saw him take two Toyota Camrys, literally cut them in half, put them back together again, wire them, get them up and running in less than 12 hours. Oh, my. That's crazy. So when Jerry said, Ramasan, we have to make this car, English wheel or no English wheel, bag or no bag or a hammer, Mm -hmm. the car was made. Wow. And um, I brought about uh, 25 or 30 sponsors to the table. A lot of them I had from drag racing. Mm -hmm. And we took this car on tour. Um, Jerry has it now kind of sitting, sitting away in New Jersey. I think he finally found somebody who wants to buy this. Sure. Uh, but then there was, there were some other cars. Uh, I got involved with a gentleman named Art Schilling. Artie, uh, he has a party. He has a place, excuse me, called, he runs called Artie's Party. Okay. It's at Syracuse Nationals. So Syracuse Nationals is a car show held every year in July and they get approximately 80,000 people and 8,000 hot rods. Wow. So, I first got involved with Artie about five years, probably seven years ago, which is funny because where I am in South Carolina, he's 10 minutes away. So we became very close <laughs> afterwards. Called Artie's Parties, right. pinstriping, uh, jamboree auction, whatever. Over the past 10 years, maybe nine years, he's raised over probably $700,000 for Ronald McDonald House in Central wow, New York. Nice. Where he brings, he was bringing pinstripers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they would pinstripe panels, uh, garbage cans, toilet seats, whatever. They would be on display and people would buy it. Well, he approached me six years ago or seven years ago to bring the frantic Ford up there. So we come up with ideas. Why don't we bring the race cars up there, put people in the seats, They'll pay money anywhere. Between. Some guys pay three, four, five hundred dollars to sit in the car for five minutes and they get a piece of art. Wow. Mm. It has uh, it's, it exploded. So we did it for a few years. We brought another funny car up that mm-hmm. I was involved with Rocky called a Super Camaro. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a car that came out of Chicago in the 70s, early 80s. Uh, it was a replica. It's a recreation of a car that was run. We brought that up car and we would start the cars and put kids in a car and put adults in a car and they'd have a great time and raise money and raise money for charity. And Very and nice. you don't realize putting the younger generation that you did in that car, they may want to be interested in that. And you see something in their face and that may stick with them. It's so funny that you said, you said that because when I was with Gary Dengem, mm-hmm. um, prior to major sponsorships we had, we brought the, uh, Teacher's pad or the Gary Denton racing car. We brought it to Maple Grove one year, Pennsylvania. And here's this little boy with his father, whatever. And I said, Excuse me, you want to sit in the car? And he said, Sure, whatever. So we put him in a car, whatever. Uh, I would say that's probably 30, 30 years later. Uh, his name is Jim Gifford. Every time he sees me, he cursed me to death <laughs> because I got I, I got him hooked. And yes. right now he's, he's, he's building a, he has a nostalgia card, nostalgia funny card he's racing. So he never lets me live it down. And he tells everybody that I'm the guy who got him started. And I thank you very much. That's yep. a fantastic story. You are a terrible person. And yeah. thank you for bringing another one to our flock. <laughs> yeah. We... Well, nobody, nobody did that to me when I was younger. So I figured, let me start, let me start the younger generation out. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's all it takes. I, I've heard more than one person say that so-and-so let me sit in their car for just a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and that just burnt an impression into their brain, and they never got away from it. No, it just no, it sticks no. with yeah. you. 
And and uh, did you have the car running at the time or or, uh, oh, or just no, static? No, it wasn't running. It, it was just on you know on jack stand, just sitting sure. there. And you know they get in there and they put the hands on a steering wheel and you know and we <laughs> open the injector and mm-hmm. we shake the body a little bit. You know, I mean they, they get all excited, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, that was it. So you know, every time he sees me, he, he gives me a handshake and a hug, and he says. I could have retired. I'm like, yeah, I know. I could have done, this. I could, I could have done the same thing, but uh, you know, we do it. For, we do it for love. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. What, what before, fun is retirement though? When you could drive a, a nostalgia funny car, right? It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah, yeah. You have to twist my arm. Yeah. In fact, get his address in a minute. I'm gonna go ahead and get some plane tickets. Yeah. I get my phone, <laughs> and uh, I'll be over shortly. You know, it's so by doing this. Thing that we did at Artie's party, right? It had it has grown to other events that I I participated in that I'm almost uh, I call myself the ringmaster. <laughs> um, we've always heard of NHRA does their cackle fest, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about four years ago, we started something with a group in New Jersey, good friends of mine. They have a car club called Dead Man's Curve. They have all gassers. Okay, like I've heard of that. Cars, yeah. And they do a big show Labor Day weekend. Since uh, I'm not going to Indy to drag race. We do a big show Labor Day weekend there at a hotel uh, called the Sheridan in Mawa. It's uh, um, 300 acres. It used to be the Ford plant. Mm-hmm. So we, we decided one year we're going to bring a couple funny cars in. And we call that Thunder Alley. So it's the front of the hotel. So the hotel is kind of not circular, but the whole area, the lot is kind of big circular. And I own the front of the hotel. So I usually get a couple of my sponsors that I have with the Frantic Ford, Super Camaro, or whatever. And they get involved. So we, we called this thing over the past couple of years, 415 Presents uh, Thunder Alley, okay. uh, powered by Racing Junk. Well, it has gotten totally out of control, I have to say <laughs> it, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good out of control. Where Why am I not have, surprised? Oh, yeah. Right, <laughs> we have, somehow I bring the largest amount of true nostalgia race cars, mm-hmm. tackle cars, at a non-drag race, drag strip event to raise money for Alex Lemonade Foundation. So beautiful. This year, since we didn't have anything last year over the past couple of years, I've had anything between 10 to 22 cars running all weekend long in front of the hotel. I've had, um, I mean, historic cars, uh, Broadway Freddie Denane, it was a not a recreation of the car. They found the original car. That's back the uh, custom body Dodge, which would unique this year. I'm bringing the world's fastest jet powered Amish buggy. <laughs> I've, I've a, seen pictures of that jet powered <laughs> Amish buggy. Yes, you were, you were insane. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where I find these guys, but yeah. Um, I heard about these gentlemen. Like I said, I have a lot of friends right. in all types of racing, run jet cars, uh, right. funny cars, drags, whatever. And there's two young guys that come out of, uh, I'm not sure if it's Middleburg, Ohio, which supposedly is the Amish capital of <laughs> the world, the United States. Right. They built this jet-powered Amish buggy. This buggy runs the quarter mile at about 75 miles an hour. It runs on the true wheels that are on there. Oh. So the wooden wheels or whatever. Right. The only thing it has, it has some extra reinforcement, roll cage, seat, whatever. And it has a small jet motor in it. And it shoots flames about 40 feet. <laughs> so we have a we have a section at a hotel where we're going to do burner pops. Um, yeah. 
we did it once. We did it once when a buddy of mine, Casey Jones, he has a jet car. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because here's all these people at the car show. And all of a sudden you hear this winding noise and right. hear this pop. <laughs> and you look over the corner and they're running because they have no idea what this is. Right. So we let the police, we let the police department know and we let the fire department know. Right. Uh, and the fire department works very close with us. The neighbors had no idea what was going on. They were running to their China cabinets, the whole, you know, <laughs> whole the China there. And all there's smoke and fire and, and flames and, you know, burner pops. Oh, yeah. Some neat videos videos out there. And uh, we try to do stuff different at the shows that I'm involved with. Right. Um, like I said, the Dead Man's Curve got, show has gotten so big. I'm, I'm bringing that smaller act, word act, but it is, to the Syracuse <laughs> Nationals this year, where we're going to have... Um, 10 funny cars and dragsters, and I'm bringing about seven of them that are local to the area of Syracuse, mm-hmm. so people can see what's in the area and what's being built, you know, by the shops in the area there. Right. So it's uh, it, it keeps me busy. And then the last one I think I'm going to do, it's called Thunder in the Park. So Thunder in the Park um, is something that came up last year. We did on Labor Day weekend. We did it on a Saturday with a gentleman named uh, Joe Morrison. Joe Morrison. Drove the frantic Ford Super Camaro. He now drives a, a top fuel car for the Leverage family. He is the chairman of a charity called Right to Breathe so for COPD. So we decided to do something last year. Well, it's COVID in New Jersey, and New Jersey's a pretty hard state for COVID. Mm-hmm. We found out how many people we can have, whatever. I made a few phone calls. I called a bunch of racers, funny car guys. Guys came out from Ohio. I had guys that came out from Georgia, Maryland. They said, if Joe is doing this and you're involved in this and your sponsors are involved, we're going to come. So we had a, and it was car show. So we had a total over the whole time there about 800, seven to 800 people with cars. But at one particular time, we had the minimum of about 500. Wow. During that, during that period, we started at nine o'clock in the morning. It was a, um, was at a baseball stadium. We had to park a lot in, in Somerset, New Jersey. Three o'clock, the lot was empty. It was clean, and we raised ten thousand dollars for Right to Breathe. Beautiful, nice, beautiful, beautiful. Al, I, I know you also dabble in photography a little bit too. Oh yeah, nothing on the <laughs> nothing on the um, dabble. Give me a real cam- Give me a real camera deal. Um, when I started to take pictures in my spare time uh, in two thousand two with Hot Rod Hotline. Uh, Howard Online was purchased seven years ago by Racing Junk. Um, a young woman and her husband, uh, Marianne and Jack Lawford, started this particular business. And I ran into them, or somehow we got connected in uh, 2002, and I started to take pictures of car shows. Local shows, some different across the country. I tell them where I would go, they give me a plane ticket, whatever. And I'd have a digital camera. So when I first started in 2002, we had a one, maybe like a one megapixel camera. You know, and mm-hmm. your pictures were only about this big or something, and they really weren't clear. So I expanded over the years, nothing to a real, you know, camera with big lenses. It was always a digital camera that I had in my pocket. So I was able to take out and take pictures. And uh, a lot of guys gave me a hard time because I used to have a stick on it, and he used to call it like the camera on a stick. It was uh-huh. a stick that screw into the bottom of the tripod, and you held it in your hand, and I bought it at a market and goes back to about 1955 <laughs> well I, I, bur- I burned out the stick I went through about seven or eight Fuji cameras 
And then I decided to go to the iPhone. Um, I'll never go back to a camera ever again. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, uh, when I take my pictures, I'm, I'm quick, I'm fast. I kind of get an idea of what I want it to look like. And I guess over the past 20 years, I've probably taken 300 or 400,000 pictures, um, car shows all over the country. Um, when I go to Detroit, they give me a key to get in anytime I want. So I'm there with the friends of mine that are real photographers sure. and I'm there taking pictures of my camera and, you know, posting them up online and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of neat. If, uh, if I travel, when I was traveling with my other job uh, years ago with NEC, uh, I'd always find a cruise night to go to. I always wanted to, you know, see what was out there, see what was in the area, see what people were driving and take pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fun to go to another, another area and go to their cruise night and things right. like that. And that's see what people have, what they're mm-hmm. out driving in. And-, and you can tell kind of different, it, it's gotten a little bit more muddled because of the internet and people buying and selling cars all around the world. But used to go to the Midwest and they had a certain type of car or, you know, East Coast car. And you could certainly call it an East Coast scene or a West Coast scene and go to different areas of the country. And you could you could really pick out pick out the cars that were built by by where they live. Mm -hmm. And that was that was incredible. And how long they've had the car. Right. Good example is Turkey Rod Run. So that's uh, Thanksgiving weekend in Daytona. Mm -hmm. Well, when I go there, I look around and I see a lot of. 70s, I should say, could be 70s, 80s, and 90s street rods. Nothing was done to them. The cars have the Easter egg colors to it. They have 14 inch wheels on it, the raised lettering, velour interior, or or a uh, tweed interior. Or tweed. Yes, or tweed. Tweed's coming back. Oh, my. Yeah, we. we, guys, and tweed's coming back. We talk about that 30 year cycle, and we're already starting to see the turnover, and they're blowing the dust off of the pro street cars. And they're cleaning them all oh, up. Yeah. Yeah, I was, oh my! I was, just talking, I was just talking to somebody the other day about tweed interior. That mm-hmm. he's talking about being dated, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, no. Oh, I know who it was because mm-hmm. he's got tweed interior in his forty Ford pickup, right? And uh, he's like, oh, it's kind of dated. It's like, no, no, it's coming back. Oh You're yeah, going to be all right. Oh, yeah, my <laughs> I I my Pro Street car had blue jelly bean interior. Blue jelly bean tweed, <laughs> blue with little flecks of pink and green in it, and everything. Yeah. Oh man, I was the man driving that thing around. <laughs> I, I I had a uh, 32 Ford. Um, it was my first 32 Ford. It was a uh, five window. It had no fenders on it. I had a 348 with three deuces. That's the one that went to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a tweed interior. It was chopped two and a half inches. It was channel inch and a half. Uh, the vents were closed, were, were solid. The wind, windshield was solid. The back window was filled in. Roof was filled in, so it looked like a glass car. Mm. I drove this car to Louisville. And when I drove it, it was like in the 90s, temperature 95. And mm-hmm. I had hot, I had frozen water bottles between my legs and my shorts to keep me cool because <laughs> of the tweed interior. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's like rolling around in house insulation. Oh, forget it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you said you own a ton of stuff. What, uh, what kind of car did you take your driver's test in? I think it might have been a... No, I can't remember now. Uh, a dart. Oh, I think it was a, a Dodge dart. See, we're digging up the memories. Look, look, look. <laughs> with, with, with the buttons, with the buttons on the left hand side. Oh, the push button transmission. Push yeah, buttons. push button torque flight. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dodge dart. It had a, <laughs> it had a six in it. It didn't have a big motor. No wheelie bars. 
Don't no wheelie bars. No parachutes. <laughs> uh, what a sissy. Took uh, his took his driver's test in a in a weenie car. Uh, oh. <laughs> not, not a funny car. Yep. <laughs> How do you parallel park a funny car? You can't. It just can't. <laughs> Good gravy. You can't you can't do much in it except steer and stab and go straight. That's right. right. Did three hands, For- two to pray and one to steer. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I never had a chance to drive. Yeah, I was always such a big guy. Right. Uh-huh. Usually there were shorter guys, and I, you know, and um, and uh, but I've seen, you know, I have friends of mine end up in the woods. <laughs> see friends of mine on fire. I've raced with guys where literally uh, Gary Denson was a, a good example. I mean, I was with him for about ten years. Right. Uh, I think in two weekends in Sonoma and in Seattle, we blew up uh, three or four motors. Oh. Um, Threw the, threw the rods out, a piece of the motor, cut him up in his chest. He had to get operated on. Oh, my. Went to the hospital. The next the next week, he comes back. He, put, he gets back in the car, throw the rods out of the motor again. And he said, guys, you can't kill me. Said, yes, you can't. <laughs> so that was it. So uh, Gary was Gary was a really good mentor to me. I met him in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, he was a high school teacher from California. Had a car called Teacher's Pet. And in, I think, 1986 or 87, um, I was in the telecommunications business. I started a business with a couple of guys, and I said, I want to sponsor your car. He goes, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I'm going to give you some money. So we gave him money, go racing. And next thing I know, I was getting on an airplane on Thursday nights, flying out to California, flying to Seattle, Indianapolis, Florida, all over, whatever, mm-hmm. going racing, come back home on Sunday night, Monday, go back to work, and that was it. That's a lot. Most people have just like what they consider a regular job and they're nine yeah. to five and they're just droning on. Sleep doesn't count much in my house. No, <laughs> well, no. Well, since, since I made the move, uh, me and my wife, we sold our house in New Jersey and made the move to uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're living about 35 miles south of Myrtle Beach. Nice little area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding out uh, how big the Myrtle Beach car crowd is. Uh, everybody said, oh, you're moving down south. How are you going to get along with those southerners? There's no Southerners here. There's everybody from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. Right. A lot of car guys. Um, kind of a different way they run things here. Um, I'm finding out that when they do their car shows, and there's a couple guys who do them in, in the Myrtle Beach mm-hmm. area, these guys not go head to head, but sometimes you'll have two shows a quarter of a mile apart from each other and have a hundred different cars at each one. Wow. But they start weird hours. They start at like 11 and they go to 2. Oh. We, back east, Midwest, whatever, you go to a car show, you know, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and you're in, you go 3 o'clock. Right, right. That's what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. And cruise nights here go from like 5 to 8. Because a lot of the older crowd, not myself, don't like to drive at night. Hmm. Uh, We we see that in in St. Louis a lot. Yeah, yeah. With, with the older crowd, and, and it yeah. kind of gets to where it's kind of 4.30 to maybe 11 is is the bookends, and, and right about 7 o'clock, everybody's gone. Yeah, yeah. it seems like everybody will do their 50-50 about 7, 7.30, uh-huh. yep. and then the, the, the older crowd will take off. Yeah, and, and I yeah. remember there's got to be somebody that's rolling around that, that understands this and people that are listening understand this. When I was younger, I thought of an older guy and he's in his eighties and he's, you know, he's driving with, with the steering wheel, you know, like this and he's got (laughs) blue hair and he's driving and, and he's driving like a 68 Impala or something that's crazy in a four door. 
And now we go to a car show and I see what I remember those same old guys. They've got a big black Camaro and they're sideways through the intersection and they're leaving and they're 85 years old, banging gears like they're still 18. Mm -hmm. And, and well, I have to, I have to agree, but you know, the funny thing is down, down here, um, the older generation, Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a bunch of muscle cars. There's not a lot of traditional cars like myself. Mm -hmm. You don't find a lot of Model A's and stuff and some Model T's. Um, Muscle cars, yes, because they either had them growing up or they want them now. But very big Challengers, Chargers, Mustangs, Camaros, Corvettes. Late model model stuff. Late models. So back east and even in St. Louis, you guys, when you Mm -hmm. guys have a cruise night, sometimes it's you know 80 and below, 70 below, 30 years below, whatever. No new cars, whatever. Right. here you're not going to find that okay everybody gets together so it's just a come all be, it's a come all deal because you know um a lot of guys retire they don't have nothing much better to do so they try to go out with their car as much as they can right right you yeah. know and, and i get that I, I i don't see a problem with including everybody mm-hmm. you know um i know as i get older I, i've got a big block chevelle and sometimes if it gets a little crazy or something and i'm trying to crank around on the steering wheel and shift gears i know last time i did that it got real crazy i end up my, my shoulder hurt for about three days <laughs> so that is true and, and we do have several people that we know that have car collections 30s 40s 50s cars and and i would give anything to drive their cars and they they'll show up and i'm sorry you know who you are even when you're listening um, they, they'll show up in a, in, in, in a new challenger. And I asked, right. why, but, why don't you bring your fifties chop Merc? Exactly. And yep. they said, well, but the, it, it does, it doesn't have navigation and power steering and, and power AC. brakes and AC <laughs> and power <laughs> windows and all that stuff. And he says, I can get in and push the button and vroom. You know, I, I completely no, it, understand it. Yeah, it, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, we have to find. We have to get the younger generation involved. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, they're still involved with tuners. Um, I just came back today. I was out for work, and I went by a place called the Beaver Bar, and they had a uh, Fox Body show there. Okay. So if everybody remembers the the Ford Fox Body mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Mustangs, which nobody ever wanted, uh-huh. um, and the police department loved them as you know trooper cars or whatever. Oh yeah, Florida State um, Patrol cars. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. And and same thing with California and oh, yeah. New Jersey had some too. Oh yeah. Now you can't find them. They cost a fortune. Right. And it's be- it's the older and the younger generation because this is what they can afford to yes. get started. Right. And that's what we need to bring, you know, the younger generation in regardless what you have. Right. I don't care if you, and I'm learning because I'm, you know, an old, not an old hot rod guy, but a newer hot rod guy for 20 years that we need to keep the sport alive. And, and that's why I'm, you know, getting involved with a, a radio station down here and doing some rotting stuff and bringing a lot of my, um, customers on board to talk about you know everything from how to build street rods, how to build imports, how to build motors, whatever. Got to keep it alive. Right. Yeah, that's what we say a lot. You know, build what you can with what you have, and just get out and and drive it and enjoy it. Exactly. I mean, don't don't worry about if it's you know a two hundred thousand dollars supercar or you know is as cool as somebody else's car. If it's what you can afford and you enjoy it, get out and go. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's, that works out good. I mean, there's room in the world, and I, I can't believe that Radwood is a thing. That are you familiar yes. with Radwood, right? Uh, yeah. I, I can't believe that's a thing. I can't. Are you? 
No, I'm not, actually. Okay, imagine the dorkiest cars you could ever think of in the 80s. Oh, 80s oh, oh, oh. Through 90s. I, know, I know what you're talking and, about. And, and, right. and that is, that's what they're now, um, they're advertising on their site, and they're having online sales mm-hmm. for these cars that I thought Cash for Clunkers ripped off the face <laughs> of the earth. And, and, and they're really making a go of it, and, I, and, and it's incredible. Yeah. And, and God love them. I'm finding out another class of cars uh, that I learned about a couple weeks ago when I went to see um, a buddy of mine in, in Mooresville. He's one of the Nitrous Kings. Um, if anybody knows the name of Tom Prock, who mm-hmm. drove a funny car, it's one of his sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go to his shop and I'm looking at this Crown Victoria in the corner there with like 28-inch wheels on it. And I'm saying, what's the deal on this? He said, this is what they call donks, D-O-N-K-S. Yep. What's that? Said, well, these guys go out to the drag strip. They go out and run for big money, and the cars run like ten seconds. Right. I'm like, are you kidding me? They said, nope. So it's bring what you want to the racetrack right. and have a good time. That's we what I we have a lot of those cars, those types of cars in St. Louis. They do a lot of racing in St. Louis, the big wheel racing cars, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. and and there are people that. I always thought it was that style of car that they're bringing to the racetrack. Now people, because of the donk racing, they're purpose building cars for that now. And oh, yeah. I saw the other day, somebody was showing a build and I said, okay, that's not my style, but I get it. Mm-hmm. A full cage, full on purpose built race car out of an 80, you know, Caprice four door. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was lime green with 28-inch wheels on it, mm-hmm. and it has a full cage in it, four-door and everything, and then and your nitrous-fed twin-turbo LS in it, you know, like you say, running 10s. And to me, I no, say, why? They're interested in it, and, and that's incredible. That's yeah. another niche yeah. market. Right. It's yeah. like, like you said, the Malibus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they call them H-class. I'm not sure, but, you know, Jeff Brock uh, at, at Advanced uh, Nitrous. Mm-hmm. He's telling me the same thing. These cars are coming back. Yeah. Full roll cage, everything. Uh, no prep. Right. You no. Know, some are running, you know, small tire, big tire classes. Yes. They're doing everything they can to keep the tracks alive and enjoy themselves. Right. Yes. Is, is it called uh, the Fast Series? The the uh, the street tire cars mm-hmm. that have to be, yes. you know, factory appearing street yeah. tire cars. Right. Yep. It's yep. it's amazing a muscle car appearing. That's what they do like that little muscle muscle car appearing drag racing, and these cars are running in the tens, and and it is amazing. And it is in street trim, factory mm-hmm. appearing trim, factory restoration appearing yeah. engine compartment, yeah. Yeah. and that's a beautiful class. Oh yeah, that's got a huge following. Yeah, I I, I like that quite a lot. We'll, we'll turn a little bit of a corner. I know we love breakdown stories and stuff. Tell me about your uh, got to get it to a show and got to get an engine for the next round uh, thrashing stories. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I well, love them. <laughs> we, we've, always had, we've always had the thrashing stories where sometimes uh, you're on the road and you got to do an engine repair or whatever at a hotel, mm-hmm. and you do it in the parking lot. Uh, you make good of what you have. Sometimes you have to take the motor out of the car. Might bring the motor up into your room, put the put the block in the bathtub, take the hone and do a hone job in the bathtub with your cylinder heads on the coffee table. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so we've done that before. Uh, I've had times already where I've raced with a couple guys and we had a Chevy Dually with a Chaparral trailer and the, blew the motor out going to a racetrack. 
And next thing I know, they're towing the chaparral with the truck on a tow truck. And I'm standing in the tow truck, excuse me, in the pickup truck, the dually. Oh. It's going down the road. We get to the racetrack. We run the car, qualify, whatever, make a couple rounds, and then do an, an engine job on the pickup truck to get it running so we can get home. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's bad when the engine completely comes apart in your tow pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The vehicle you oh, rely yeah. on. Your yeah. race car runs beautifully. Yeah. No problems. <laughs> tow, tow vehicle, well, grenade. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. You know, I, I've had some no, no major issues with my car and my 32, and I go to uh, Advance Auto mm -hmm. or uh, AutoZone or whatever, and you know how the guys are now. It's everything by this keyboard screen or whatever. Well, right. I like to play a little game with them. So you walk in, the guy says, uh, yeah, I need an alternator. Uh, okay, what do you got? I need an alternator for a small block ship. Uh, what year? Well, it's not in, it's not in a Chevy car. Okay, uh, 1932 Ford. Uh, five window? Yeah. Sorry, but we don't, that alternator doesn't work. I said, no, there's a small block Chevy in it. Right. This is the alternator I need. Uh, well, it doesn't say it on the screen. Of course, <laughs> of so, course it doesn't. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you give these guys a hard time, but, you know, you, you value the guys that used to be the counter guys. They mm -hmm. would know everything. As soon as you walk in there and you tell him what you need, he went right to the shelf and he goes, this is what you need. Right. Or try this. This will work. Yes. Right. And and that is the hot rodder mentality that they know part number XYZ PDQ will fit right. on this vehicle and this vehicle and that vehicle. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why uh, I don't understand why. No. Well, you know, I told you I had that 32 Ford with the, with the 348. Right. When I took it to Louisville, I made sure I had a spare alternator, excuse me, a spare water pump and a spare starter. Right. Because I could not go anywhere to get any of those. So that oh, was yeah. with me all the time. Yep. Yeah, you have to, you, you learn and you keep a roadside repair kit mm -hmm. that applies to your vehicle inside. And, it, yes. and every car is a little different. They'll tell you what they need and what they want. And right. You got to learn them. Yes, exactly. Um, I know we collect everything as car guys. Do you have any car collections, stuff, magazines, Hot Wheels, die cast? Well, I had a lot before I moved. Yeah. So I went from a larger size house to a smaller house. And I'm saying to myself, I haven't touched this stuff in 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. It hasn't moved off the shelf. Time to get rid of it. So I, uh, but I got a kind of couple of unique collections of telephones, um, antique telephones from the late 1800s, 1900s, and uh, enamel uh, telephone signs from like the 30s and 40s, and uh, another collection of toy telephones. So the toy tin telephones from the 40s and 50s, some of them still in boxes. Wow. I still have that collection because I spent 35 years in telecommunications gotcha. while I was racing. Um, everybody thinks, oh, so you're moving to South Carolina, you're retiring. I said, no. I said, I'm just enjoying, you know, enjoying life. I don't have to worry about, the, you know, the traffic and the taxes in New Jersey, but there's no traffic a lot of times. Nice and quiet back roads. I can be on a, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I rented a, it was a Hemi Charger. And I had to go to had to go to Charlotte or Mooresville, and my GPS takes me down this county road for 62 miles. It's just two lanes, me and another lane, and all I see is farms and cattle. You know, no traffic lights. Going through so many small towns. I mean, it's great. I mean, I got the best job in the world. I get paid to go to high rod shops, race car shops, car shows. 
talk my hobby, talk the business I like to do. And, you know, can't beat that. You know, my hashtag line, my hashtag line on, on Facebook is my job is better than yours. Right. I'm a restoration mechanic at a, at a shop here in St. Louis, and I have to take cars out and drive them every now and then after we do my repairs or whatever. And I'll always take pictures of and send it to my brothers. And uh, yeah, this is what I'm getting paid to do today. I get my friends on Facebook. They're like, where did you go? How did you find these NASCARs? How did you find these Darren Walter cars? How did you find this restoration shop? How did you end up going here? I get a phone call. I'm in town. They said, come on, take pictures. Have a good time. And they love it. When, when do you sleep? I mean, good grief. I thought I had a lot of irons in the fire. And this is, this is the way I've worked for many, many years. I, I get up sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning and I'm on a computer doing emails, mm-hmm. sending stuff out to people and like, what are you doing? I'm like, I woke up. I thought about this. Why are you answering me at four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> right. You right. Know? So you, you get, you get that also. So, uh, 24 by seven, you know, proactive, not reactive. That's the way I've always been in any type of industry I've been around. Have you found the internet and social media has made your job or connection, ability to make connections a little easier? Oh, yeah. Prior, you know, when I was in telecommunications for 35 years, I was in voice. So I used to design telephone systems. Pick up the phone. Hello, can I help you? Right now, and this is true, the younger generation, they don't want to talk. All they want to do is text. All they want to do. Yeah, that, you know? that is true. And I've, I've found that very quickly with buying and selling things online, you know, whether it's through a Facebook marketplace or something like that, you know, about being able to share pictures and talk to people and things. And I find that a lot, a lot more people just want to text. And they don't want to. They don't want to do anything. And you can almost tell the age of a person by looking at the style of vehicle they're selling. And it says yes. on their ad, "Do not text me." You know? <laughs> do right. not respond yes. here. Call me. Yes, call me. <laughs> I want to hear you. Yes, yes. pick up the phone. Yes. Right. Yes, pick up the yep. phone. So we are. We're always talking about uh, our what drives youth initiative. Are you or racing junk? Um, are are you guys doing anything to promote the next generation? What are you doing to be a mentor or promote the next generation? Okay. So what I'm doing through racing junk, uh, and also through a gentleman who I met down here named, uh, Larry Donahue, uh, he has a radio show called in the, in the pits media racing radio, uh, and racing junk uh, and myself decided to get involved. So it's going to be in the pits media racing radio powered by racing junk. And we're going to talk everything from any types of racing, drag racing, circle track, monster truck, mud racing, dirt racing, whatever. I'm going to be in there and I'm going to kind of talk hot rods and muscle cars and tuner cars, which I don't know much about, but I'll learn. And to bring the younger generation in and keep the, keep the sport alive, uh, we're going to bring a bunch of guests. And I gave them a list of 65 people. Uh, we're going to bring people. I'm going to just podcast ahead of time. We'll put them up on a Saturday. It's going to be a two hour show and it's going to be on W. If I remember right. I apologize. I think it's WRNN. Um, and it's going to be pretty neat because we're going to do some feedback. We're going to do some call-ins. We want to get the younger generation, like we talked about before, keeping the sport alive. Yes. You know, newer, if you got a new Mustang, fine. What do we have? What do you want to do to make it quicker? What do you want to do? make it different at the car show, change the wheels, change the tires. Tell us about your car. Right. Yeah, I have to apply the simple basics, and Sean and I talk to each other about this quite a lot, the simple basics of 
the wartime uh, hot rodders. Everybody got back from right. the war. What did they do? What did they build? They built with the things that were readily available and as cheap as they could put them together at the time with the knowledge and mechanical skills that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. You just apply that to every decade generation and move it forward. Some people are hard-headed and right. the muscle car guys don't want to see 70s cars at a car show. And the people with a 78 Trans Am don't want to see a brand new Camaro at a car show. Right. And, and it moves forward like that. And nobody wants to see this car or that car. And I listen to people bellyache about that stuff. But as the generations progressed, they're just doing with what they remember. Like you said, the Fox Body Mustang cars. It has that 30-year right. loop, that 30-year um, you know, cycle and of, of things that people are interested in right. and what was on the lot when they graduated from high school. Right. What's and, their nostalgia? Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of the younger kids are, are building what they can afford. Yes. And what they can afford well, to drive gas wise. Yes. You know, with parts that are available yeah. and, and they can make stuff fast. Correct. You know, and maybe a Fox body Mustang is their dream car, but they can't afford that right now. Just do what you can now mm-hmm. and work your way to your dream car. Right. You know, who would think that NSRA and good guys or NSA first mm-hmm. 30-year rule? Oh, yeah. You go to an NSA event, and there's a guy pulling up in an, in an 80s Cutlass. Yes. Right. Your father or grandfather used to drive. Yes. It's huge. I mean, these yeah. things are coming back. Yeah. Uh, these guys are restoring them. I mean, they're just, you know, four doors at one point. Like we said, street rod, four-door cars. Nobody wanted They were a dime a dozen. Correct. Now they're bringing, they're bringing good money because you can't find them. You can't yeah. find these cars. Yeah. John always calls four-door cars parts cars. And, yes. And I, more I, doors, we call them. Yeah, more yes, doors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The four doors are parts cars. Yeah. And, yeah, and, boy, and, yeah. and I keep, I keep getting, people keep calling or, uh, or sending me emails and texts and social media DMs yeah. and they're trying to take me down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> if that's what a person could afford to drive. Right. Exactly. So and if you've got a family uh, and you got a family, you're trying to fit in a car. Yeah. It's easier to do in a four yeah. door. I mean, I, more power to them. Right. Some people wouldn't, wouldn't be caught dead in a station wagon. And now those things are, are oh. they're skyrocketing in price. Yeah. I mean, like I told you before, I had a 54 Chevy handyman. Mm-hmm. I never saw one in my life. Mm-hmm. What is a 54 handyman or a 54 Woody? Right. And a tin, a tin this, Woody. A tin Woody. Exactly. And mm-hmm. the car was like a tank. Mm-hmm. I would hear stories. I'd go on a cruise with it, and a couple would come by me, and they'd say, you know, my mother and father had one of these. I said, oh, really? Neat. Yeah. We would sit in the back, window rolled down, going down the highway to kids, and the parents would be smoking in the front of the car. <laughs> yeah. exhaust would be coming at the back of the car. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they'd, you know, they'd give you all these stories, and when we go to close the door, it's like closing the door in a Sherman tank. Right. Yes. I mean, and, and if you got into an accident, you feel bad for the next guy because you know you'd be able to drive right through that car. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, stage wagons are, are monstrous. Big, big money again these days and what yeah. they're doing. And you really right. see them as push cars and stuff and nostalgia drags quite a lot. You see yeah. C10 trucks as push vehicles as and nostalgia's, uh, nostalgia drag car in front of a station wagon. And uh, it's really common. Yeah, I, I remember yep. my dad. Uh, we're probably going back to 1990 or so. My dad had an 80, early 80s Oldsmobile station wagon, and I think about that car now and think, oh, what I would do to have that car now. And back then, it's like 
you got a station wagon? Yep. And now I'm thinking, man, I really wish I had that car. Because it's like just... the Buicks, like the the what eighties or nineties Buicks wagon, the Roadmaster. Yeah, the oh, big yeah. Roadmasters. Yeah. Yeah, the Roadmaster wood, had wood grain. And... <laughs> the Roadmaster had, uh, I think it was a uh, uh, eighty-nine or ninety or whatever it was. Uh, Roadmaster had a Corvette LT1 in it that you could get yes. in a Buick Roadmaster factory, mm. and that's a that's a big secret around people, and and they 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 kind of seeking out these these uh, grandpa cars. Not a secret anymore, I guess. Huh? I know. Whoops. <laughs> you know the North Star Cadillacs, the yep. same thing. Nobody wanted them. Right now, everybody wants a North Star. Because when you look at the motor, it's something different that you've never seen before. Very right. much so. Right. Yeah. I, and I've just got one qu- one last question, I think. Uh-oh. Uh, your 32 Ford. Yeah. How well do you fit in that thing? <laughs> I fit very well. And do I'm you? Saying, I'm in, a, in a 32 5 window, there used to be a package tray in the back, which gained about six inches. Okay. This car, when the interior was done, before I got it, the package tray was removed. So... Factory seat, um, frame and everything. The seat's cut down a little bit, you know, and it has a straight axle in the front. Mm-hmm. GM disc brakes, Ford 9-inch, no no heat, no air, vent windows. It's typical, traditional hot rod. The way a hot rod should be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. With, with biased look radial tires, yeah. compliments of Diamondback Tire. They make the best uh, biased look radial tire that you can buy out there. Nice. And it's just... People look at this car and they, they say, how do you fit in it? And I said, call him, get in it, sit yeah. in it, close the door, slam the door. Don't be afraid to close the door. And they're like, God, you've got so much room in here. I'm like, that's why, you know, thank God it's not chopped or channeled. I had a couple of those and I can drive this car from here to Detroit. I mean, I got to get out and, you know, stretch every once in a while. Yeah. Well, fantastic, man. It is, uh, it has been extremely informative talking with you today. Yeah. Been and fun. I, 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 I know it because every time we talk with uh, somebody who's been into racing for quite a while, they always have crazy stories. And we, we love it. We love hearing about all your breakdown stories and uh, building an engine in the bathtub. Uh, great. Thanks for having me, guys. I had a great time talking about uh, past, present, and future. John, we've been included in a uh, top 60 car podcast you must follow in 2021 blog. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We ended up being number 22. Cool. I don't know if the order of the list matters. It matters to me. Matters to me. We're, we're 22, okay. so that's all that matters good, in my brain. Good enough. Maybe next year we'll be 21. Uh, I'm shooting for higher than that. <laughs> shooting for higher than that. <laughs> yeah. Number number one, number two? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you ain't shooting for number one. You're not trying, right? That is true. That is true. Uh, our listeners can find this on blog.beadspot.com. Or you can find a link on our website, getoutanddrive.com. Go there to check out other auto podcasts, if you like, uh, something that's pretty similar to ours. Yeah. So go check that stuff out. And uh, while you're listening on your uh, favorite podcast platform, go ahead and give us a rating and uh, give us a, some feedback. Yeah. Tell us what you like to hear. We'd like to know what you think about us. Be sure to check out our new blog on Mikaniki.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, give us your comments. Tag us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. 
Make sure you check out our website, getoutanddrive.com, for everything you never wanted to know about our podcast. You can learn more about us. You can buy merchandise. And just check out all the fun stuff on our website. What drives you?